Uh, so we're going to get really ramped up about smart cities. Are we excited? Come on. Good. All right, let's go. So, you know, this is the classic slide. You know, if you've been to an IBM, a Cisco, you know, kind of uh, pitch about smart cities, uh, the world's not in a great place. And what is very close to home to me at the moment is this number one issue. And I'm going to share a little bit with you at the end of my presentation, if I have time, just how real and raw this issue is. So what are the city's response to this? We have the Sustainable Development Goals, decision by the UN Cities Division for cities to engage around smart cities. And number 11 is smart and sustainable communities. When I formed MESHT five years ago, uh, essentially I'd been working with IBM, traveling around the world, trying to help them understand how they could be more sustainable. And in our mission in MESHT, we actually don't talk about smart cities, we actually do it. Uh, we're a very environmentally uh, focused organization and I think that has been one of the reasons why we've been so successful in actually, in a short period of time, helping 50 cities uh, with their ambition to be more sustainable and resilient. Putting all the fluffy stuff, the good stuff that makes you feel good, the bottom line, smart cities is bloody huge business. And if uh, you believe any of this stuff, there's a lot of money to be made in smart cities. Vendors are pushing it really hard. Uh, so hence the reason why there's probably so many people in the room that are wanting to engage around this great opportunity of smart cities. But why are cities investing in the Internet of Things? There are many different motivations of why a city goes down the path of engaging around the industrial fourth revolution, the Internet of Things. And what's really critical for any of you in the room wanting to make success of your business into smart cities, you need to tap into their mojo. You need to focus on what is their driver and their motivation of what they want to do. But at the end of the day, essentially, they're about trying to provide critical digital infrastructure to support their communities and focus on the things that matter to them the most. I've put this slide in for a very uh, good reason, and that is with the hype of 5G and with where we're going uh, with digitization of cities, we're starting to see changes in our landscape, in our urban environment, where the simple rubbish bin now actually can act as a smart cities hub. And we've been intimately involved in every single one of those interfaces my organisation has provided IoT. One of the coolest ones we've done is uh, in an area just north of the central CBD, Sydney, of um, city of um, Ryde in Sydney, and uh, ostensibly because of the tree canopy loss by the amount of development that's happened in that uh, technology um, area uh, for offices, the city is now creating uh, vertical garden bus stops, uh, and we have environmental sensors and hydroponics running on those bus stops to protect people from the severe heat, uh, which is a major problem happening in our urban environments. The point here is, it's all very well and good for us to want to go out and put smart sensors and embedded systems out to cities. But what's also very important is that the city's motivation is to ensure that that doesn't impact the amenity 
and also that you're prepared to answer hard questions about the potential impact of these embedded devices on people, because questions will be asked. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, we get phone calls uh, at the drop of a hat from a childcare centre saying someone has just locked in our door, wants to put a Lorawan gateway on the top of our childcare centre, and we want to know what the impact on children will be. So you've got to be prepared to have the information and uh, talk about the, uh, the opportunities and also um, deal with those sorts of issues. But while cities and governments talk about smart cities, it's actually people. And many of you may recognise this wonderful little device. Do any of you recognise this? Yeah, launched in Barcelona about four or five years ago. And the reason why citizens can actually create and co-create with cities is because we have this wonderful toolkit. You know, when I started my career back in the day in the early, uh, it was a long time ago, I won't say long, but a long time ago, <laughs> I was working at Telstra Research Laboratories with Bell Atlantic and, um, you know, we were developing patents and technologies. We didn't understand Creative Commons. How amazing has Creative Commons been, you know? You've got the world's largest repository of open source on GitHub. Are any of you familiar with Fairware or Fireware? Right? Beautiful. Beautiful. No, there's another one here. So that's a beautiful, fantastic. Out of Barcelona, an open framework and platform, right, for cities to engage around APIs and smart cities. But this happened. And this happened at a really instrumental time in my career when I decided to leave IBM in 2015 and I was thinking about what was I going to do next. I'd been there for 10 years, I'd done my deal. I was happy to leave. Um, and then the Things Network launched. And Andrew and I got on the blower to Vinky and Johan very early on and we became the initiators for Sydney and the rest is history. But the thing that they didn't know at the time, and I don't think anybody did, was just how powerful the Things Network is to cities and to communities. And the whole movement around democratisation of IoT, right, is a really important uh, capability and catalyst of why I think my business in Australia has been so successful uh, in, in enabling uh, the capability of, of this great platform. So let me give you some examples and then I'll close and hopefully uh, I'm going to run through these really quickly and then hopefully we've got some time for questions. So, look, here are some examples of cities within your own sort of geographic space that I call, you know, Europe and, and the UK within the same geographic space because, you know, uh, Australia could probably fit the whole of those continents <laughs> all together. So, let's look at Aberdeen, you know, um, great initiative, um, three and a half thousand light points, you know, a huge 9.7 million um, pound investment over eight years around safety and security and, and improving uh, energy efficiency. Um, then we have Zurich, you know, they started with their smart city strategy, embedded within their smart city strategy, they talk about the Internet of Things and what um, benefits that could realise with their community. So they've been looking at things like air quality and uh, water metering and smart parking. And then Manchester, there's been a couple of initiatives driven by the universities, driven by, you know, the likes of the Cisco's and others, and they're using uh, the platform of LoRaWAN, which is such a wonderful open, you know, standard uh, to, to look a whole range of, of, of use cases, important to their city. Um, I've put this one up for a reason. Um, Perth is the most uh, western capital uh, city in Australia. Have any of you been to Perth? 
It's a pretty place. Um, but the, the interesting thing about this project was that the, the local TTI community built a massive network uh, across Perth. They did it, did it on their own, and uh, ostensibly uh, the city then called up Meshed and said, look, we, we've had the community build this network, but I, need now, I now need to convince the mayor and the powers to be that this is an enterprise-grade solution that could support uh, mission-critical applications such as smart lighting. And the reason why they're called up Meshed is because we provide managed enterprise-grade LoRaWAN solutions, both on the public and the private uh, options of TTI and TTN. So what we did is we converted uh, the, pu the public network uh, to a private network, and now we're actually running citywide all their lighting control off this LoRaWAN network. Um, Connected Cities Adelaide, and I don't know if Leo or John are in the room, uh, they're the great initiators from Adelaide um, who did some astounding work very early on in deploying quite a large network across the metropolitan area of Adelaide, which is the capital city of South Australia, another very large state in Australia. Um, and ostensibly, this slide is really an example of collaboration, where five local governments decided to pull their money together to deploy a municipal-wide network. Uh, but why were they deploying the network? The kicker here is not the fact that they thought LoRaWAN was really cool and they wanted it for just the sake of having LoRaWAN. Um, Adelaide had received the prior January, the hottest day on record, 46.8 degrees. Uh, it got to 49 degrees in peri-urban environments of Adelaide. Um, and Adelaide is water constrained. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful city, but they're very concerned about the impact of urban heat. And therefore, one of the major use cases that was driving this focus around um, uh, investment in LoRaWAN was what was going to be the health effect on citizens through heat waves? You know, what's the effect of water consumption? And hence, that was the driver. So here we have a humble Atmos 41 uh, weather station, solar powered. We do a lot of solar power in Australia. In fact, we deploy networks, even our gateways are solar powered in, in a lot of instances. And, and that data is, is coming into a network uh, that's publicly available and accessible to the cities. Um, air quality. September 2016, we invited Vinky to come to Australia and run a workshop with us. We ran it in partnership with the University of Technology, Sydney and there spawned the birth of TULIP, Technology for Urban Livability Project. TULIP is now the largest uh, tier two, three air quality monitoring um, uh, network in Australia. We've got three cities now on board, uh, and interestingly, it was just sitting there chugging along as kind of like a little pet project until we had the Australian bushfires. And actually, this project does not, that picture does not do justice. In fact, that's a, that shows it as just a foggy day um, there was a day that I was in Sydney at 2 o'clock, it was pitch black, we had visibility of 50 metres. Um, and so this is data coming off the, the LoRaWAN network, and this device here, what we did is we went to market, working with the University of Technology Sydney, to actually build a, a device to Australian conditions that could be independently verified by a university that we could actually start to use with Australian cities. So now we're, we're actually selling these EMSs and the platform to other cities in Sydney. If there was a killer app in smart cities, it's people counting. Are any of you guys working in people counting? Do you have people counting sensors? Yeah? Look, the ability to know where people are 
uh, is just, you know, a no-brainer. Whether you're a shopping mall, whether you're a city, whether you're a swimming pool, uh, whether you're a park, whether people are using your skate park, um, it's an important piece of information that cities want to have. And we built Encounter. We don't build devices, but this is the only device we've built, and it's been a huge success for us. And the reason why we built this Encounter device was it's a Wi-Fi um, uh, device. It essentially senses uh, smart devices within range and then reports that data over the LoRaWAN network was that we wanted to prove to cities that we could run this technology in parallel with CCTV and image recognition. And so, ostensibly, it was that ability for us to show how light touch, you know, uh, technology that wasn't taking any private information of citizens, uh, that was much less scary than CCTV, could be of value for cities. And, and they love it. We've got 28 cities now. We've got millions of data points running through this platform. Uh, and uh, we, um, we have a famous festival, you've probably never heard of it, but the Elvis Festival, uh, the Elvis Presley Festival that's run in parks, uh, we've actually been running it at, at festivals like the Elvis Festival for things like how long are people waiting in toilets, how quickly are the bins filling and things like that. I just want to also pivot that the market for cities doesn't, also, doesn't necessarily rest uh, with, with local councils but it also rests within the infrastructure and, and, the, and the government, the big infrastructure projects. So this project here is a, the total project is $18 billion. Uh, what's happening is across a metropolitan area of Melbourne, they're removing 52 rail crossings uh, with tunnels or overpasses and uh, meshed and has worked with Orange Business Services and we're getting all of the data pertaining to that construction site uh, truck movements, uh, noise, vibration, uh, air quality, uh, so that the construction authority can meet its compliance in terms of reporting back to the impact that that uh, particular construction works is having on the local community. Uh, and given the fact it's near train stations, we're also coupling that with people counting so we can help people navigate wayfinding. Now, I've found it really great being in Amsterdam this week because it's taken me a couple of times to get it right from, for me to walk from my hotel to the train station because all of that's happening. So this is kind of where the, this sort of technology lends itself really well. And that data's coming into a Microsoft Azure platform which was built by uh, Orange Business Services. So again, the ability just to, to take this data into any platform is really powerful. Um, smart water metering. It is going to be the year of water, 2020 in Australia. We are going to have towns that are going to close down. Fact. They're running out of water. The Tamworth Music Festival, which is the biggest country music festival in Australia, uh, is being threatened because Tamworth is going to run out of water by July if it does not get heavy rain. So we're doing a lot of work, uh, working with the likes of Sydney Water and local regional authorities to help them understand their water use uh, uh, leak detection and things like that. Um, sewer management, uh, this is a great project, um, a very large network deployed by the largest water authority in the country and I believe that Sydney Water is one of the largest water authorities in the world uh, but based on the fact that they do reticulation and trunk networks, uh, reservoirs as well as water metering and ostensibly what this is showing is all of the sensors in the Liverpool area feeding into their Internet of Things alarm panel uh, and the result of this trial over 12 months actually detected uh, 25 sewer blockages uh, which resulted in a um, basically um, averting 
um, impact to properties of 4,700 properties. So there's your ROI, right? That's the kicker here in terms of the value benefit that you can get from this sort of capability. The project has been so successful that the city, uh, that uh, Sydney Water have decided that they are actually going to fund the infrastructure to put up Lorawan gateways right across Western Sydney, which is uh, which a large um, a large area of 8,000 square kilometres. Mesh is doing the hour of planning as we speak. We've already just uh, um, dispatched gateways. Um, and essentially what they're doing is they're going to let the councils use the network at no cost. So this is a hybrid network where we've got Sydney uh, Water using TTI, the Things Industries, for their mission critical applications, and the city councils are then using the network for their air quality, their water quality, because some of the cities are wanting to um, test the water quality to see whether it's okay for people to swim in the rivers and things like that. Um, so again, this is a, another model, something that we didn't know was going to happen, but through collaboration and conversations, you start to see a large state agency working with local government and seeing how they can actually share infrastructure. But what do really cities want? So this is my last slide, and uh, then hopefully, oh, I've got two more slides, but then we'll take some questions. I deliberately put together this slide, and I don't expect you all to read this. But here's my view of the world. Four years, 50 cities later, right? These are critical success factors. Cities want to own the data. Long gone of the days when you can go and sell a proprietary end-to-end -end system and expect cities to pay for data access. Those days are gonski. Secondly, data is data. And the flexibility of data being able to be ported into the cities or the infrastructure organisations, existing platforms, is just as critical as them getting the great value of the platform that you provide to them. You really have to focus on the business case. But more importantly, don't try to sell them tech. And just keep it really simple. Go to the heart of the need of the city and build the model from there. It's also important to cities that whilst um, they love innovation and they love the fact that communities are developing great local solutions, they need enterprise grade. So be prepared to answer the questions around security, around scalability, around resiliency, around guarantee of supply, around warranty. That's really, really important to cities. Uh, and finally, I think the other um, piece is um, is interoperability. We've all got to play together, you know? Because you've just got to realise there are so many people out there trying to sell a point solution to a city. It could be parking, it could be lighting, it could be bins. So be open about how you could actually work together. And don't underestimate the role of the system integrator. So just to close, um, Australian bushfires. Uh, this is our personal take. City of Yurubadala is actually where Batemans Bay is. Some of you may have seen images, if you type in Batemans Bay, you'll see images like this. People huddling on the beach. This is, was done at one o'clock in the afternoon. It's pitch black. They were all told to go down to the beach because that was the safest place. And then the, um, uh, the, um, uh, the defence force came and picked them out of the water because it was just too dangerous. They had to get out of there. The picture there is the gateway that we had on Mount Wanderer. Uh, we do remote monitoring, 
The gateway was down. We just assumed it had been completely fried. We rang the council and said when it was safe. So about a week later, they went up to Mount Mondra and they took the gateway off the tower and they took it back to the office and you can see the antennas are melted. We plugged it to power and the gateway worked. Right? Now, funny enough, we thought that that was going to be the end of the project, that the city would say to us, we're not going to do this anymore, it's all too hard. No. They've actually decided now they want to use LoRaWAN to avert a potential disaster. They want to start to use this information much more proactively, and so ostensibly that's proof to them that this low-power, long-range connectivity actually has a lot of worth to them. So just in closing, if anybody uh, is interested in um, supporting a good cause for the Australian bushfires, uh, don't forget the animals. Uh, MESHT has actually committed part of our profit to this organisation, um, and uh, I'll leave it at that, and I'll take any questions if I have time. No, I didn't think I was so sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine, but can I have a warm applause for Catherine? Yeah. Just, just if you'd say just one second, uh, very briefly, because you work uh, with so many cities in Australia, do you facilitate some sort of platform whereby the cities can also learn from each other amongst each other? Yes. Yeah? So okay. uh, we've been talking to other cities in Europe, yeah. and uh, we have a network of cities Great. to share, share nice. information. Cool. Very good. Thank Once you. again, a warm applause. <laughs>